Hello and welcome once again to Let's Talk Catholic with Father Scott Lawler. This week we have a very special episode. Recently, Father Lawler celebrated Mass for the memorial of St. Monica, the mother of St. Augustine, at St. Monica's Church in Afton, Michigan. We present the Mass largely unedited. Seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life.
O God, who consoled the sorrowful, and who mercifully accepted the motherly tears of Saint Monica for the conversion of her son, Augustine, grant us, through the intercession of them both, that we may bitterly regret our sins and find the grace of your pardon through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Shirak. Blessed the husband of a good wife, twice lengthened are his days. A worthy wife brings joy to her husband, peaceful and full is his life. A good wife is a generous gift bestowed upon him who fears the Lord. Be he rich or poor, his heart is content, and a smile is ever on his face. A gracious wife delights her husband, her thoughtful, thoughtfulness puts flesh on his bones. A gift from the Lord is her governed speech, and her firm virtue is surpassing worth. Choicest of blessings is a modest wife, priceless her chaste soul. A holy and decent woman adds grace upon grace. Indeed, no price is worthy of her temperate soul. Let the sun rising in the Lord's heaven, the beauty of a virtuous wife, is the radiance of her home. The word of the Lord. In you, Lord, I have found my peace. In you, Lord, I have found my peace. O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty. I busy not myself with great things, nor with things too sublime for me. In you, Lord, I have found my peace. Nay, rather, I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child, like a weaned child on its mother's lap, so my soul within me. In you, Lord, I have found peace. O Israel, hope in the Lord, both now and forever. In you, Lord, I have found peace. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Lord is my light and salvation. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to Lord. Jesus journeyed to a city called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd accompanied him. As he drew near to the gate of the city, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he was moved with pity for her and said to her, Do not weep. He stepped forward and touched the coffin. At this the bearers halted, and he said, Young man, I tell you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus said to his mother, And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, exclaiming, A great prophet has arisen in our midst, and God has visited his people. This report about him spread through the whole of Judea and in all the surrounding region. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. Good evening, everyone. And if you've never been to this beautiful church, welcome to St. Monica's. I um, have made it very clear since I was assigned to St. Paul and St. Monica's, I don't view St. Monica's as the carbuncle on St. Paul's. I view it as the gem, because it is the oldest church in this whole area. This is the mother church, and if you've never been here, this is what churches were like when people were building them by their own hands, as opposed to getting companies in to do it. So, and there are things we need to repair, um, but we'll get there bit by bit. And imagine when I first came here, because I'd never seen inside it. Um, in fact, I was told that the reason that St. Monica's wasn't open in the winter is because it didn't have any electricity or plumbing. <laughs> it's amazing how rumours, isn't it? It's amazing how rumours get, get started. I'd been told that by more than one person. I can assure you, it has lighting. <laughs> and it has plumbing. And it has heating. And when Mike was showing me around, we walked into the sacristy and I don't remember anything else he said because I noticed the relic. And I picked up the relic and I said to him, I don't know if Mike remembers this, I said to him, this is a relic of St. Monica. You know this is a relic of St. Monica. This is a relic of St. Monica. <laughs> and he went, yes. And I said, it's a relic of St. Monica. <laughs> Now, if you've ever been to, to Rome, I don't know how many of you have been to Rome? Okay, if you've been to the St. Augustine's Church in Rome, you go into St. Augustine's Church, beautiful church, just off the Piazza Novona. You go into St. Augustine's and you go over to the far left-hand side and often you can find it 
because you know I, I lived in Rome for six years. You can sometimes know the people there because you can hear people crying, and it's the tomb of Saint Monica, and it's nearly always got ladies kneeling down crying. Nearly always. I've been in there early in the morning, late in the evening, busy times, quiet times, winter, summer. But also in the altar in which her tomb is, there are lots and lots of plaques thanking St. Monica for saving people's children. And that relic connects us to that very church where her body lies, apart from the bit we have and others, and also connects us to her. She's not just the patron of people who have got fallen away children. She's the patron of difficult marriages. Her husband, Patricius, was a violent pagan until he wasn't. And it happened when he died. And I've told this story, many of you who have heard me preach in the past may have heard me say this before. There's a pious legend from England that Henry VIII, on his deathbed, turned to Cramner and said, Get me a real priest, because when all said and done, I want to die a son of Holy Mother Church. He wanted to go to confession before he died. The same thing happened with Patricius, Monica's husband. On his deathbed, he decided that after all that fighting, all the attacks on his wife, all the abuse that he'd given her, that it was time to do the right thing. And when people, that happens to people. You must remember the parable of the workers in the vineyard. For many of you, you'll have been there from 8 o'clock in the morning. For some of us, we didn't get there until 10 to 5 in the evening. That's the beauty of God. It's not the time that you get there. It's whether you get there or not. And how does that happen? For many of you, those of you who have loved ones who don't practice the faith, you may have done something wrong. You may not have. The things you might have done wrong is perhaps when people were growing up, you didn't witness to the faith. Perhaps you're not doing it now. Perhaps you were too fierce and didn't show enough of the love of God. Perhaps you compromised everything. But as I often say, you're still breathing so you can set it right. And I advise everybody, anytime somebody comes and tells me that their children or their grandchildren don't practice, or that their parents don't practice, which is a very real thing since COVID, people who go to Mass and tell me, well, my parents just stopped coming. Sometimes you have to sit down with the person, particularly if it's children, and you have to say to them, I am very sorry. When you were growing up, I didn't give you the example of the most important thing that I should have. My faith, your faith. Because if you haven't done that, that's just another way of telling loved ones that I love you. I want to be with you forever. I say this to people often when it comes to confession. One of the strongest ways that a, a husband and wife can show each other how much they love each other is by going to confession and seeing each other go in. 
Because then what you are saying is, those promises I took at my wedding, that I would be with you forever, I look, I'm doing what I can. I'm doing my best to be with you forever. I'm doing my best that I will go straight to heaven. And if you have loved ones who don't practice, if you've not sat them down and said to them, I'm sorry, somehow I failed you. It's not too late to do it. It's just another way to tell people that you love them. If you're here because of a particular person in your life, if you haven't told them that you were coming to a Mass with this intention, you should tell them. It's how you tell people. Always has to be done in charity. Always has to be done in love. You have to tell people about the importance of our faith in love. You don't say to people, you need to get your backside to church, otherwise you're going to hell. That might work, but rarely. What you tell people is, whatever you're looking for, you won't find it until you meet him. As St. Monica's son, who we would be celebrating on Sunday, if it wasn't a Sunday, St. Augustine, as he said, our hearts are restless, Lord, until they rest in you. And if you have uh, uh, children who think they're too smart to believe in something, get them to read St. Augustine's Confessions. St. Augustine, you could make the argument that St. Augustine was one of the smartest human beings ever to have lived. Ever. Everything he turned his, ha his, his hand to, he was brilliant at, apart from one thing, which was Hebrew. And I know that because St. Jerome wrote a letter to St. Augustine saying, it's a pity you're so talented in so many things apart from the important things. <laughs> but Augustine was brilliant. But Augustine thought he was too smart to be humble towards the faith. And Augustine also admitted, and when I was away from the church, if you'd asked me, as people did, why are you not practicing your faith? I gave, I didn't realize it was Augustine's answer, but I gave her an answer not dissimilar to Augustine's. It doesn't suit the way I want to live. Augustine was, Lord, make me celibate, but not yet. But he was smart enough eventually to open his heart. Because faith is a gift. You can't force faith on people. Faith is a gift. And it's something we should cherish. But it's also something that we have to live whether it's popular or not. It's something that we have to be willing to share with people, but you can't share what you don't have. You need to know your faith properly. And not, I don't mean by that that you need to know if, if a child says to you, um, why do you people do, 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 that you have to know all the answers. You don't have to know all the answers. What you do need to always know is whatever people ask, We've been asked that and answered it probably a long time ago. But we can't guarantee that people like the answers. Any question you have about our faith, I can, maybe not off the top of my head, but I can answer. But I can't guarantee that you will like the answer. Because that's about conforming. Obedience is about conforming. You don't make the church in your image 
We've all lived through people dressed like me doing that. Creating cults of the priest where he will do anything to be popular. I'm trying to do everything to be popular. I hope it's working. <laughs> but actually in reality, my, one of my brothers said this to me a long time ago. He said, you tell the people the truth and you do your best to live it and help them get to heaven and then you will be popular because that's really what people want when you're a priest. They don't want the priest to tell them banalities. They don't want the priest to try to be a pop star, to try to be one of the, as you say in England, one of the lads. What they want of a priest is someone who will help them do what needs to be done. But I can't do it for you. But I'll tell you what is a terrible thing to do. And if any of you are doing this, you need to stop it. You don't make excuses for the behaviours of your children. You have to call it what it is. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. Your holiness in your living the faith may spark something in your children and your grandchildren, may spark something that will help them open their hearts to God's faith. But you being a saint will not get them into heaven because a relationship with God is a personal thing. So we know what happened with Patricius, Monica's husband, converted, he was baptised. We know what happened with Augustine. But we do not know what happened with her other, her other son, who also had turned his back on the church. Now, he may well have come into the church, but we don't know. In fact, even pious legends don't tell us what that is. But your success is not something you might see here on earth. But how you live your life and the things that you say to those you love, you might, God willing, from heaven, see the success. I have been blessed to deal with people who the death of their parents who practiced the faith was the thing that sparked them in to practicing the faith. But telling people that everything they're doing is okay is a failure to them. And saying to yourself, well, my son or my daughter, you know, well, they're a good person. God doesn't care if you're good or not. God wants you to be holy. If you're holy, you'll be uber good. What God wants is for us all to follow in his son. He wants us to do what needs to be done for the sake of society, for the sake of other human beings. You need to make sure that you're not mixing up. My child is a good person. Well, so you say. But we're not called to be good. We're called to be holy. That's what the word saint means. That's what should drive us on. It should drive us to being able to say sometimes uncomfortable truths in faith and love, my desire for my loved ones to go to heaven, not my desire to sugarcoat things that shouldn't be sugarcoated. Somebody told me last week, actually, that their, um, 
their daughter doesn't go to Mass because their daughter says, I think I mentioned this at the weekend, their daughter says that churches are full of hypocrites. Absolutely. So? <laughs> Police stations are full of hypocrites. Schools are full of hypocrites. The world is full of hypocrites. I know that because I'm a hypocrite. And I keep meeting other people who are hypocrites. But what should be trying to change? And that's also not a reason to not practice. I've met people who stopped going to Mass because of the Boston 2002, the abuses. I still don't understand why that would stop somebody from going to Mass. I don't know what that... I don't know, I can't make that connection even when I've met people and asked them about that. I can't make that connection. I've met people, also since I came to this beautiful part of Michigan, I've met people who won't go to Mass because the bishops dispense people from the Sunday obligation under COVID. So they're not going to Mass because, not because they don't believe, they're not going to Mass because the bishops shouldn't have done that. That doesn't make sense. And so often when people, if you ask, if you ask people, why don't they go to Mass, so often it won't make sense. But you'll only find that out if you ask them, why are you not going? Blaise Pascal, French philosopher, Catholic, lived about 150 years ago. There's a thing called Pascal's Wager, because it was something that Blaise Pascal put forward. And he said, if you follow the teaching of the Catholic Church, you will be a productive member of society, a good husband or wife, and you will have a contented life. When you die, if there is a God, you will go to heaven. If not, then you won't, but you will have had a productive life, been a good spouse, and um, had a contented life. Because most of the people you know, if not all, who don't practice the faith, are not leading contented lives. Because we are made to have a relationship with God. And if someone says to you, well, I don't think that you need to go to church. The problem with that statement is any statement that goes along with I, it's not about what I think. Or people say to me, well, I got out into the woods. I don't think you have to come to church. I got out into the woods. So did God start a garden centre or a church? <coughs> he might have started a garden centre, I'm sure the Garden of Eden, but you want to get to the Garden of Eden, you better get to church. Because God has given us instructions of how we are supposed to live. And it's not, as many of you have heard me say before, it's not, he's not trying to punish us. It's because we are God's terrible twos. Any of you who have had children, you know, two-year-olds, I remember spending a whole shift when I was working as a pediatric nurse, I spent a whole shift looking after four two-year-olds. I would rather have ran four marathons. <coughs> Every time I turned my back, they had their fingers and things, or each other. <laughs> we are God's terrible twos. When, you, when I had to get these four kids regimented 
Was I being cruel? No, I wasn't being cruel. You have to have organisation. Human beings need organisation. God has known that. He made us. But we need to have guidelines because left to our own devices, those of us who didn't practice for any length of time, left to your own devices, it does not go well. Usually you end up hurting other people and yourself. Everybody has to live according to rules. So not wanting to practice the faith because of rules also doesn't make sense. Fundamentally, and a very simple one, which many of you will have heard, is that gravity. You might not think gravity is a thing. You climb up our bell tower here and jump off. You'll find out, might be the last thing you ever find out, <laughs> but you will find out that gravity is a thing. If I decided in my big vehicle that I was going to drive on the correct side of the road, unlike you lot, <laughs> how many people would I kill before I was killed? <coughs> we all live according to rules. We are certainly living in a society that is trying to break down rules. That's why you know it's demonic. One of the titles in medieval times that they used to give to the devil was the Lord of Chaos. You know something's demonic if it doesn't make sense. See, if you're watching something on TV and you think, what that person just said in no way, shape or form makes any sense at all. Why is that journalist not saying to them that? Then you know that the likelihood is they've said something that is demonic. Even if they don't, they don't know. And that is also, of course, one of the things that you, in society we have to hand our children over to so many different factions that you can understand why the people homeschooling is increasing rapidly because people are concerned about handing their children over to public schools. I, I read yesterday actually on a Catholic news site that Catholic enrollment in Catholic schools is skyrocketing and we have, enough, we have problems in our own Catholic schools but the thing is people want their children to be taught some kind of moral standard. They don't want the children to grow up on quicksand. And it's something that we don't all understand, I think, that the present generation, those people who are under 30, they have grown up on a, not on the same firm foundations, even in the secular world, that we have. I can't imagine how difficult that is. Because to not know from day to day, what is the right thing to do? Because it changes with the vagaries of popular opinion. It's a very, very distressing thing for any human beings. That's why, of course, I can say that it is an encounter and getting to know him who does not change that gives meaning to life. But how will people know that if we don't show them it, if we don't tell them that? We need to all be voices, not just in our families, of course, but certainly in our families. We need to be voices consistently of telling people the truth. You know, the Lord himself said, the truth will set you free. We have nothing to fear from the truth. It will put a target on your back. It will mean, of course, that many people you're talking to don't even understand what you're saying to them. Because you're speaking from a foundation and they have no foundation. And I had this experience, rather strange experience, with a fellow priest a couple of years ago. Um, 
<laughs> he was giving a talk, and I was at the back of the talk. Because I'm a real Catholic, so I sat at the back. <laughs> Unlike you folk. You weird people at the front. And after he'd said two things that weren't the teaching of the church, I thought, I better do something about this. And then the other priest that was with me, he leaned to me and said, you'll need to do something about that. I said, you do something about it. And he said, no, you'll need to do something. You've got a louder voice. So I started correcting this priest until we got to five errors. So he made seven errors in a talk he was giving about the faith. And every time I corrected them. So I'll give you an example because it's stuck in my head. He said, well, Vatican II got rid of altar rails because of, and I said, Vatican II never got rid of altar rails. Disobedient priests did that. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Every time I interrupted, he agreed with me. <laughs> so I don't know, the other people were sitting there at this thing. I don't know what they went away with. They probably went away thinking, who was the Irish guy at the back who kept interrupting? But this priest didn't know what he was talking about, but put himself in a public forum to do it. How confusing must that be for all of you? If a priest comes along and says, you can do this, 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 and this, and then another priest comes along and says, no, you can't. That's why so many of my homilies explain things. Because you need to make a judgment about whether or not you can trust what I'm saying. That never used to be the case. It used to be the case in the past where a priest would get up and he would say something and it would be the teaching of the church. But now, because of the inveigling of society, you now get priests that get up and they tell you what they think or some nonsense they read in some book written by some crazy character. Whereas everything that we should tell people should be rooted in him, of course, because it should be our faith. And that's why you need to know your faith. You need to know your faith because you will be in the storms and tempests of life. And if you know your faith, you are on a rock. Peter, our faith is the rock that gives us a hold on reality. Many of the people you love have lost that. Hopefully, in how you lived your lives, you anchored them. So even if it's a thread that holds them to that rock, they've got something that they can follow back. But they also have to see that you stand on a rock. That you're consistent in what you say each time an issue comes up. And will you make mistakes? Yes, you will. But you have to have a voice. If you don't speak and pray and tell people who you love, this is what I desire with all my heart, that you will be with me in heaven forever. And the way you live your life now, that is not where it is going. That is not a nasty judgment. That is just saying to someone, I love you. What you're doing, I don't want for you. And you should want more. And you have to compare it to if your loved one was a crack addict, how would you speak to them? Would you just go, that's okay? Well, as long as you're happy, it's a lot more important that you foster the faith 
that you guide them towards the faith. Because alcoholism, drug addiction, any kind of addiction, they are not necessarily going to present somebody, prevent somebody from going to heaven, but turning their back on the Lord. And if they're apathetic, as I mentioned at the weekend, about notional ascent and real ascent, if they're apathetic, light a fire under them. If they say they have nothing against the Catholic Church, then why don't get why why are they doing what they're doing? But you have to speak. You have to have the strength to say it, in good weather and in bad. And remember, it's because you love them, and the desire is that they will be with you in heaven forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's no creed, because it's a feast, but we have the intercessions first. Don't make me raise my voice. <laughs> <laughs> And now, turning to God, our loving Father, we lift our hearts and voices in prayer. That the Spirit of God may nurture wisdom among believers, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That the Spirit of God may reveal the divine mystery to those who seek faith, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That the Spirit of God may search the depths of every heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That the Spirit of God may give good counsel to those who govern and guide, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That the Spirit of God may cast out worldly spirits of power and domination, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That the Spirit of God may restore wholeness to broken bodies and spirits, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That the Spirit of God speak to those who have fallen away, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the Spirit of God may breathe new life into those we love and see no longer, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And now turning to Our Lady, we seek her intercession, that those in leadership in the church and in government open their hearts to her Son as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our offertory hymn is number 446. Thank you. 
a similar way when supper was ended, he took the chalice and giving you thanks, he said the blessing. He gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Blessed hope 
and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory of Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other a sign of peace. steady on your feet, then buddy up with someone, but don't buddy up with someone else who is also on steady on your feet, <laughs> unless you're on opposing sides. <laughs> I would encourage all of you, if you've never done this, in the, especially if you've not been in this church before, you won't have done it. The statue of St. Monica that's in this church is particularly beautiful, and at, some, at one point we are going to move it to be here beside the relic, but it's up there. And, and you look at the face, and you can see 
that the statue is a mother who's crying. And one of the more common things you get in statues of St. Monica is her holding a bag that says tears on it for all the tears that she's shed. So come October, in both parishes, here and in St. Paul's, we're going to attempt to inaugurate Travelling Statue. Now many of you will be familiar with Travelling Statues of Our Lady. It used to be a very popular thing for a long, long time. We're going to have a Travelling sta Statues of St. Monica so that people can have a statue in St. Monica. I already have that I made for All Saints in Alpina. I already have prayer booklets for, for St. Monica. And then, if your children come to visit, or people who are not practicing, and they say, where did you get that statue? You have an end to say, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to have just a traveling statue of Our Lady, but um, the more I spoke to people, the more people expressed to me they would rather have, no disrespect to Our Lady, but they would rather have a travelling statue of St. Monica. So we're planning to do that. Um, the things that we've already done here is, this wasn't an altar. It is now. We, I got an altar stone put in it. So um, thanks very much to um, Father Tyler, the parish priest at All Saints. He gave me an altar stone. He also gave us a tabernacle, so eventually there'll be a, a half-sized altar here with a proper tabernacle, not a wooden rinse cabinet, um, that will be actually secured here as well, long overdue, of course. And um, we've replaced the lights as well, and we're working on securing the windows. So um, I would think... I asked, I asked the bishop to come tonight. He's actually on vacation, but he said, he said he would have loved to have come if he wasn't, and I'm taking it, he told me the truth. Um, one of the desires I have of my heart, and I'd ask you all to pray about this, is I would like to turn St. Monica's Par Parish into a shrine for fallen away Catholics. As far as I know, there isn't one. So somebody has to do it first, and I would like us to do it here, so that on a regular basis, probably at least once a month, we would have a Mass for that purpose. And what we would do, I got this idea from something that I did in All Saints and Alpina, we would have people send in their intentions, and we would keep them under the altar here. And when Mass is offered for that reason, the names of the loved ones would be present here. So I haven't asked the Bishop about whether I can do that or not, so, um, I probably shouldn't have said anything about it. <laughs> but that's me all over. So, repetition, being the mother of all learning, um, I'm going to give the final blessing, then going to incense the relic, we're going to go out that door, walk around that way, and then come back in. And when we come back in, I'm going to encourage any of you who wish to, to come up and venerate the relic now. Some of you will be will know that the, the normal normal way in the past to venerate a relic was to kiss the reliquary. I realise some of you may not want to do that. We will wipe it in between. But if you want to come forward, touch it, touch it, or if you want to put your head towards, um, if you want to kiss, obviously that's a that's a great thing to do. Do I need to explain why relics are important, or do you all do you all understand? Understand. Okay. 
Last time I said that to a group, I found out afterwards they didn't understand. They didn't speak up. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. If you're last, you're lost. <laughs> the Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go forth, the Mass is ended. So, Michael the Archangel. You can listen again to this or any other episode of Let's Talk Catholic at our blog, Let's Talk Catholic Podcast. Blogspot.com, or you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or almost any other podcast provider.